In today's episode, we're taking a critical look at goals. We're looking at where they came from, where they're the most useful, and why. And I'm going to share a different tool that you can use if you want something that goals can't give you. If that sounds up your alley, then this episode is for you. Hey, I'm Amanda Jane, and this is where we help ambitious women make progress and use their time for what really matters. Together, we're busting productivity myths and shifting the dialogue to use productivity as a means to a purposeful and meaningful life. Welcome to More Ways. Let's rock. Hey, welcome to More Ways. I'm your host, Amanda Jane, and I am really excited about our episode this week. It's one of my favorite topics to discuss, and it's all about goals. And But I, I think that this is going to be a topic and a, or a way of looking at goals that you don't hear very often. So let's dive in. I'm wondering whether you set any goals for yourself this year, because according to online surveys, more people decided to set resolutions this year than last, and many decided to take them even more seriously this year than they have in the past. A crisis like a pandemic can cause people to really reevaluate and want to make a change, and when they want to make a change, they turn towards the really only tool that they've been given, which is goals. Smart goals have become the kind of gold standard that people use. So let's start at kind of a a baseline. So a goal is a result or achievement towards which effort is aimed. That's kind of the definition that people agree on. And the word goal arrived on the scene during the first half of the 16th century. Now that was a long time ago. But SMART goals, for those of you that if you're unfamiliar, SMART is an acronym and it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, realistic and time-bound, or some variation of those letters generally. SMART goals showed up just in 1981 by a consultant for a power company, and he wrote a paper titled, There's a Smart Way to Write Management Goals and Objectives. That's where, that's where it all came from. The SMART goals really came because he was suggesting that managers and companies needed to have detailed, measurable achievements in order to move their organization forward. That's really where, where SMART goals came from. And then they worked their way through corporate landscape, over to academia, and then beyond. They really have become the way of achieving success. And since then, SMART goals have really become the standard in creating any kind of positive change. And if I'm sure that you've likely heard countless examples of successful people using SMART goals. One example that I love is actor and comedian Jim Carrey. And as the story goes, Jim, who was then poor and penniless, wrote a check to himself for $10 million, dating it 10 years in the future, or maybe it was five years in the future. And in the memo, he wrote for acting services rendered. And he kept that check in his wallet as a reminder of his goal. And within the next several years, his career took off. Then he was making $20 million 
perfume. You know, hence, setting goals is the method of creating change and getting what you want, right? Well, not necessarily. Because we know that goal setting doesn't always work. In fact, studies suggest that 70 to 90% of people fail to reach the goals they set for themselves. And failure to reach those goals is almost always credited to problems with the goal setter. That is, the person that is setting the goals. Listicles like 11 reasons we fail to reach our goals identify issues such as people having too many goals, people not planning out their goals, or people having a fear of failure as causes of failure. Goals are a tool. And like any tool, goals are useful for some things and they make a mess with others. I think it was Mark Twain that said, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, which is so true. The line I'm trying to draw today is, to a woman with something she wants, everything looks like a goal. So how great is a hammer if what you want is to grow a garden? And when someone has a hammer and they grow a terrible garden, do you recommend that they hold their hammer more efficiently? Or maybe we should suggest that they do a better job of planning how they use their hammer in the garden. Or maybe you would tell them to be to stop being so afraid of having an ugly garden and just grab up the hammer and get to work. No, I guarantee those are none of the suggestions you would give that person because you are not a jackass, okay? <laughs> and that is exactly what the women I work with do to themselves when they don't reach their goals. I can practically guarantee that if you've set a goal and failed to achieve it, you have done one or more of the following. You've wondered what was wrong with you that you didn't achieve your goal, or you've asked yourself, what did you do wrong that made it so that you didn't achieve your goal? Or you told yourself that you just need to do more in order to achieve your goal. And, or you've doubted yourself and what you're really capable of and or all of the above. Because these ambitious and creative women that I work with place all of the blame on themselves and leave the goals, that is the tool, unquestioned. Goals were created in the boardroom, and yet we've let them migrate into our private spaces with the assumption that they'd work just as efficiently. When we wanna do something different, we turn to goals because it's the only tool we've been given. Goals aren't the only tool, and they're not necessarily the best tool for every job. It's time to ask whether goals are the right tool for what you really want. So I have a framework that I'm going to share with you about how to identify when to use goals, and I call it the layers of life. Let's imagine that life is made up of four layers of concentric circles, one inside the other. And these four layers are having, doing, feeling, and being. Now, goals work great on the outer two layers. That is the having and the doing. And they're ineffective for the inner two layers. Those are the feeling and the being. I'm going to go over these four layers in a little bit more depth to give you a sense of what what I'm talking about, what I mean by these layers of life. So the outermost layer of life is the having layer. And it's made up of the things that you have and the things that you want to have, your possessions and what you own. And as it relates to goals, an example might be, I'm going to earn $100,000 by the end of the year. 
And that would be something that I have that I didn't previously. Now, inside the having layer, the next layer is doing. And this layer is made up of what you do. That is your actions and your behaviors. So goals in this layer are about what you want to do or maybe not do. So an example is I am going to write every morning for six months. So the action is writing. You can also set a goal for how you no longer want to act, what you don't want to do anymore. So that could be something like, I'm going to quit smoking. Goals are a great tool to use when what you want, that is the result you want, is something that you want to have or something that you want to do. And this is why goals are great and were designed in a corporate environment because the end results for corporate are in these outer layers. Something like, I'll have, I'll have the report completed by Friday. That's a having layer. At the end of Friday, I will have something that I don't currently have. Or um, we'll serve 10% more clients this month over last, right? That's something that that company is going to do that they weren't doing. Or even we will bring in X dollars of revenue this quarter by launching a new product, right? It's something that they're going to have at the end of these actions. In these outer layers, progress or success is really easily viewed and measured from the outside. And that's really important in like a corporate kind of environment because others can determine whether a goal has been achieved or not. When you're working in teams and when you have shareholders and when you have um, people who are counting on others, it's important to have those objective measures that are shared amongst, you know, a variety of people. And someone else can say, this has been done or this hasn't. It's in my inbox or it's not. However, I have found that women, when they want something, and especially in their personal lives, what they really want are in these deeper layers. What they truly want is fulfillment, a sense of purpose and or like life satisfaction. These core personal desires lie in a deeper layer and that's within the layers of feeling and being. And in these layers, smart goals simply don't work. What you want is likely not very specific I hear women say, I want to feel connected to my family. Hmm, not very specific. It's rarely measurable. Something like, I want to be my most authentic self. Hmm, hard to measure that one. And many aren't time bound. In fact, I find that a lot of what women want are likely lifelong pursuits. Like, I want to make choices that are in my best interest. That's not something that you kind of come to an end with, right? Now, trouble arises when we assume that achieving the goals in the outer layers will automatically create a change in the inner layers. Now, if the intention is to achieve a goal so that you will feel different, then the goal has become a means to an end. Goal achievement doesn't guarantee a change in your personal feelings or your identity or how you see yourself. I bet we all know someone who has set a goal and achieved it and then was miserable because they didn't get what they really wanted. A woman that I met set a goal to write a book, then successfully met that goal. She wrote the book and had it conventionally published, which is a huge achievement. And then she was disappointed when having a published book didn't create 
the feeling of confidence. She didn't have a sense that she was an expert. Now, you can't guarantee that success on the outer two layers will filter in and create success in the inner two layers. Often, you don't want to achieve the goal. You want the feeling that achieving the goal will give you. This is like 90% of the time. You don't want the goal. You want the feeling that achieving the goal will give you. And that's why we talk about having the life you want is an inside job. You have to start on those inner layers, how you feel, how you're being, and your identity. So if goals aren't going to work on those inner layers, what other tools do we have? Nobody's talking about anything else. And what I have found is that commitments help you make progress on the inner layers of feeling and being. So a goal is about what you're doing and a commitment is about who you're being. Commitments are really commonly thought of, I think, as a promise you make to someone else. Here, what I'm talking about is the idea that a commitment is an agreement that you make with yourself. They are the means to the end. Commitments are entirely decided upon and defined by you, and only you can be responsible for fulfilling them. The most effective commitments that I've seen developed have multiple methods of meeting them, and that allows for a great deal of flexibility. And when I talk to women that I work with, flexibility is something that is a really key component. While a goal might be take a trip to New York this year, a commitment sounds like I want to seek out adventure. So it focuses on the feeling and being that a person wants to cultivate. And commitments allow the person to be adventuresome. And they can do that in a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas of life. Sometimes seeking out adventure could mean home cooking a culinary adventure each month with your family. Or it could look like discovering new walking paths in your city. On the extreme end, it could mean like planning a bungee jumping excursion with friends. Or it can be as simple as leaving every Sunday open to allow yourself to just follow wherever your creative flow takes you. Those can all be ways of seeking out adventure in your daily, weekly life and throughout the year. Commitments provide you the opportunity to claim how you want to feel every day and to take steps towards your best life. You can feel good now. You do not have to wait to achieve your goal to celebrate yourself, and to create momentum that will fuel these positive changes that you want in your life. I'm offering you commitments as another tool in your toolbox. Commitments are absolutely tied to your bigger vision and are need to be aligned to how you want to grow, how you specifically want to learn and evolve. They are a more effective tool when you want to change how you want to feel and be. And no matter what kind of change you want to make, you now have a new tool of commitment that you can pull out and grow your seeds of change when your old goal hammer just, you know, isn't the right tool for the job. If you want to know more about commitments and how they can help you to take real action on the things that you've been putting off, make sure that you get on the wait list to hear about the Action Takers Club premiering in the new year. You'll be the first one to know when new details are released. So just head on over to amandajane.ca forward slash Action Takers Club and get signed up and you'll be able to find that link in the show notes as well.
I hope the episode today has given you a new way of understanding goals, where they came from, what they're useful for, and why. And I hope that I've offered you a new tool, which is commitments, that you can turn to when you're looking for something deeper that goals can't give you. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you liked today's episode, I invite you to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. This lets Apple know that great listeners like you enjoy the show and it helps get the message out to more listeners. So your review really does make a difference. Thanks again for joining me, Amanda Jane, in this episode of More Ways. Until next time, rock on.